glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Well, I'm greatly blessed to be able to be here tonight. Today is my 51st spiritual birthday. And uh, God saved me when I was 15 years old, riding a church bus to church for about a month. And God saved me on November the 7th, 1971, at about five minutes to 11 on a Sunday morning. I never would have dreamed at that time I'd be doing this tonight, 51 years later. Amen. And to God be the glory. Just thank you, Lord, for your goodness and grace and mercy. Amen. Well, I'm glad to be back in the Northwest. I love coming up here for one reason. Got grandkids up here. Amen. And uh, a wise son maketh a glad father. And I'm thankful for Brother Nevin and what God's using him for in this place. I, and like he said, I've preached for many of you, been in your churches, and I appreciate every single one of you. And uh, I, I say I get the privilege of traveling all over the country, and uh, I, I've met as fine a group of men of God up here in the Northwest as I've met anywhere. And uh, thank God for you and what God's doing uh, in this part of the world. I'm glad to have my wife with me. Amen. She's enduring to the end. Amen. We're nearing 49 years of being together, and thank God for his goodness and grace in our lives. So let's go to Matthew chapter 20. You've already eaten, and you're full, and you're going to be fighting sleep, and I understand all that, so I want to get right into the Word of God tonight and trust that God will use this message to speak to our hearts. He I had an experience, well, I'll share with you a little bit later in the message. I had an experience a a couple of months ago now, um, and I I will share that with you. But that experience prompted me to really look at this passage of Scripture. (laughs) And uh, God uh, preached to me from this passage. And so he worked me over with it, and I hope that he'll work you over with it tonight. Amen. And let's stand one more time, if you will. If you can and are able, Matthew chapter 20, we're going to read 16 verses beginning in verse 1, and uh, then we'll pray and uh, get right into the scripture tonight. The Bible says in verse 1 of Matthew 20, for the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. Again, he went out about the sixth hour or the sixth and the ninth hour And did likewise, and about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle, and saith unto them, Why stand you here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, 
they supposed that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst thou not, didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is, and go thy way. I will give unto this last even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? So the last shall be first and the first last. For many be called, but few chosen. I want to look at the latter part of verse 15, and, and uh, this is what we'll eventually emphasize at the, with the end of the message. But the question is asked, is thine eye evil because I am good? I want us to think about an evil eye tonight, and specifically the evil eye of envy evil eye of envy. Let's pray once more. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, again tonight for this opportunity. Lord, we thank you so much for giving safety to everyone that's come this way tonight and they've taken their time to be here. God, it's already been wonderful. Fellowship's been sweet. The music's wonderful. And Lord, it's just, it's just good to be with your people. And I pray, dear God, tonight, these next few moments, Lord, we ask you, please help us. Holy Spirit of God, you know how much I need you to help me tonight. Direct my words and my thoughts. And I might preach with the right spirit. May the Holy Spirit of God have absolute liberty here tonight to work in our hearts. May, Lord, we receive your word as it is the word of God, not the words of a man. We'll thank you for it. Do your work. It needs to be done in each heart and life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I don't know about you, but I have trouble with parables sometimes. Uh, and uh, this parable is not really any different. Uh, it's an unusual parable. There's some things in here that I scratch my head about. And so I'm just going to try to share with you tonight some things that God has spoken to my heart about uh, through uh, this parable. Uh, we're, we're in a missions conference here in this church. And this parable is about laboring people. People that are working in the vineyard, working for the master. And uh, uh, this church is not like a new church. It's never been introduced to missions. It's not like a church that's never heard of faith promise or, or taking missions trips or, or giving and so on. Uh, this church has been doing that from its inception, basically. And many of the people of this church have been on missions trips, short-term trips, and uh, involved in not only financially but physically. Uh, not only here in their own town, but in different countries and so on. And uh, I realize tonight I'm preaching to a room full of laborers, people that labor for God, uh, whether you labor in a full-time capacity or whether you labor uh, in a secular job and labor in your local church or whatever you're doing. Uh, if you're working for Christ, you're a laborer for Christ. Amen. 
And thank God for every labor. I agree with Pastor. The greatest prayer request that our Savior gave us was pray for laborers. And uh, there is a tremendous need, but we're looking at laborers tonight. And I want us to see some things here that I believe will help us as God's laborers this evening. There's nothing the, the devil would like greater than, number one, get people to where they never get involved in the labor. Or number two, if they're involved in the labor, get them out of it. Get them out of the labor force. I promise you, if you're, if you're serving God in any way, any capacity, doesn't matter what it is, uh, the devil wants to do his best to get you out of the labor force. And that, we need to realize that tonight. And uh, so let's look here and, and some things about this parable. First of all, I just want to consider the placement of this parable. It's interesting to me, if you look in chapter 19 and verse 30, Jesus makes a statement here. He said, but many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And then this parable begins. In chapter 20 and uh, verse 16, Jesus says again, so the last shall be first, and the first last. For many be called, but few chosen. I want you to notice uh, in verse 8, he said, Beginning from the last unto the first, he began to recompense them for their labor. Uh, this parable is sandwiched between these two statements, uh, that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And uh, there's a principle here that I believe Jesus is using this parable to help illustrate, help us understand. Second of all, I believe this placement of this parable is an answer to a question uh, that Peter had back in chapter 19. Uh, beginning in verse 27. For time's sake, we won't go beyond that or before that, but look in verse 27 of chapter 19. Peter asks a question, and then Jesus begins to answer that question with this parable. Peter said, Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me In the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit on upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall be shall inherit everlasting life. And then again, but many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. So I see the placement of this parable. I believe one thing, uh, it's there is to illustrate that principle that Jesus gave. Second of all, it's to answer Peter's question. Now, the preface again of this, of this question or this parable is, is what Peter asked. He said, we have forsaken all. He said, so what's in it for us? We have forsaken all these things. Look, Jesus, he said again in verse 27, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have there for? What is in it for us? Amen. And then Jesus begins to tell this parable. So I want us to consider tonight some particulars of this parable and try to make some applications here in a few minutes. Notice, first of all, verses 1 through 7. We've already read it. But in this parable that Jesus speaks of, uh, he, he tells of a search for laborers. He said, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is a householder, which went out and early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. So 
the householder, he's going out to search for laborers. He begins 6 o'clock in the morning, and he hires a group of laborers. He hires them for a penny. He hires them based upon a contractual agreement between the, the master and the servant. The Bible says here, uh, he agreed, they agreed for a penny. That was a, a mutual agreement, like a contract between a contractor and his labor. So these men go out to work in the vineyard based upon a contract. Then I want you to notice about three hours later, about nine o'clock in the morning, he goes out and hires some more. And notice here he says uh, in verse, uh, let's see, which is it? In verse uh, verse 4, he said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard. He found a group of men standing idle. He said, Go ye also into the vineyard. And whatsoever is right, I will give you. And they went their way. Now he says that to that group. Three hours later, he says it to another group. Three hours later, he says it to another group. And at the 11th hour, 5 o'clock in the evening, they, they go out and work based on that same statement, whatsoever is right. Now, that agreement to go to work is not based on the contract. It's based upon the character of the man who hired them. Now, this man who hires them is typical of the Lord. Amen. And so what we're doing here, we're seeing laborers going out to work uh, the first group's going out, and they're working based upon a, an, a mutual agreement. The second bunch and the third and the fourth bunch, they're going out and they're laboring based upon the character of the man who hired them. They trust him to do the right thing. And the reason they trust him to do the right thing is because they believe he is upright in his character. Amen. And so we have the search for these labors. Now, uh, I noticed something about these men. Here's a group of men. All these groups, all these men, they all wanted to work. They all wanted to work. Amen. You remember after you got saved how you wanted to do something for God? I mean, you wanted to. Did anybody here after you got saved want to do something for God? I mean, I know I did. And I'm, I, I think back about that time, and I wanted to do something for the Lord. And the truth of the matter is, it didn't matter what it was. Amen. It didn't matter to me what it was. And not only did I want to work, I was willing to work. And you know what? There's a God in heaven who loves to look for people who not only want to work, that are willing to work. And guess what? I went to work. Started serving the Lord. I tell you, I remember how excited I was. Our church, uh, I'd just been saved a few years, and our church got a new pastor. And uh, uh, we were encouraged by the former pastor. Now, he's coming in, and you, you be a help to him, and you, sir, you, you do all you can to help him. And I remember our church had those old, those uh, baseboard electric heaters. Every one of them had a knob. And I went to the pastor, and I, I said, Pastor, would it be all right with you? He must have thought I was insane, this new pastor. I said, would it be all right with you if, if when the services are over that I'll just take care of controlling all the knobs on the heaters and I'll make sure all the heat's turned where it's supposed to be at night so you don't have to stay and do that. And, and if you don't mind, I, I'll make sure all the toilets have been flushed. Nothing worse than toilets not being flushed from Sunday to Wednesday. Amen. And I'll make sure all the water is turned off, no water running in the sinks. He said, why, sure. And I was just tickled to death. I was thrilled. Why? Because I wanted to work and I was willing to work. And guess what? God gave me an opportunity to go to work. And I'm sure you felt the same way. And so I'm glad 
uh, for these men that wanted to work. And I'm preaching to a group of people here tonight that you, you, you've, you've proved by your life you want to work. You're willing to work. And God has put you to work. Isn't it wonderful? Thank God for whatever it is that the Lord allows us to do. Amen. I remember the first time I got to preach outside of my home church. Little old country church in southern Indiana. All the men came to church. I mean, they were dressed to the hilt. They had long sleeve white shirts and bib overalls. I was the only guy there with a tie on. And I mean, I was so excited. I was thrilled to death. I, and it was my pastor's father-in-law's church. And I think he sent me down there to preach to get even with his father-in-law about something. I don't know what it was. Uh, but anyway, I was thrilled to death for the opportunity. I remember the first time I got to preach on in a jail, how excited I was. First time I got to preach in a nursing home, how excited I was. Amen. Just It didn't matter. I wanted to do something for the Lord. And he let me. He let me. So I find in this parable there is a, there is a search for laborers. Verses 8 and 9, then there's the settling of the accounts. He said, so when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. Now, it's, it's my understanding, this parable, I believe the Lord gave this parable, number one, to answer Peter's question. It was something personal to Peter. He wanted, he wanted him to understand. Now, Peter, you have given all, you've given off to serve me, and you are, you're the first bunch to get involved. But you need to understand something. Payday, you'll not be the first in line when payday comes. You'll be on the tail end. You're not going to get payday until I come back and set my kingdom up on the earth and you and these fellows are going to rule and reign. You're going to judge Israel from throne. Amen. You're the first to dive in, but you're the last to get paid. But I think not only was it personal for Peter and the disciples, but it was also prophetic for the nation of Israel. You see, Jesus offered them the kingdom. They, re- they rejected it. Uh, and so Israel, the gospel came, the kingdom offer came to the to, to Israel, and then the gospel was offered to Israel, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Uh, they were the first to, to have it re- offered to them. And then the Gentiles got it later. Amen. But guess who's going to get paid first? My understanding is we Gentiles are. Amen. We're going to be taken up in the rapture. We're going to be at the judgment seat of Christ. Payday. Amen. And it'll be Israel that will a little bit later inherit the earth. I make, that's what I seem to understand here. But I believe there's also a practical application for you and I tonight. And that's what I, want to, I really want to look at. So we find here, and I'll be honest with you, humanly speaking, I put myself right here in this passage of Scripture. Here, the first group of people, they start at 6 o'clock in the morning. They're laboring in the vineyard. They labored 12 full hours in the hot sun the whole day long. They agreed for a penny. Amen. The other groups, they came along. Some of them worked nine hours. Some of them worked six hours. Some of them worked three hours. And the last group worked one hour. And when it comes pay time, the settling of the counts, the last group that got hired got paid first. And they got paid a penny. Amen. 
Nothing wrong with that. They got paid a penny. Now, when the, that group got paid a penny, I think the group that got hired at 3 o'clock said, Hey, I bet we get paid three pennies. And the group that got hired at noon said, I bet we get paid six pennies. Because they only worked an hour and they got a penny. The group that got hired in the morning at 9, I bet they thought we'd get paid nine pennies. Because he's good. That group at 6 in the morning said, We've surely, we've labored all day. We've borne the burden of the day. We're going to get 12 pennies. And when they got up there, they got a penny. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't have been happy about that. I'm just being honest. I mean, if I see a dude work for an hour and he gets paid the same as I did and I worked for 12 hours, I don't even belong to a labor union, but I'd start hollering for a union steward. Amen. (laughs) Notice the Bible says their reaction here. It says in verse 10, verse, verse 10 says, But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny. Now, we got to remember, what did they agree for? They're, these are the only guys that had a contract. They mutually agreed to go to work for a penny. What did they get paid? They got paid a penny. Did they get shortchanged? Did they get cheated? Absolutely not. They got what they agreed to get. Notice. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house. Now, Typically speaking, they're murmuring against God. They're murmuring against God. In verse 12, so we see their their supposition. They thought they should get more than the rest, even though they got what they agreed to. We see their murmuring against the one who paid them. And then they begin to contend with him. Verse 12 saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and the heat of the day. Boy, if that isn't a carnal man, I don't know what is. Now, we got exactly what we agreed for, but you made those guys equal with us. We worked all day long. They only worked one hour, but you made them equal with us. You blessed them more than they should have got blessed. Amen? And the Bible says in verse 13, there's three probing questions here in these verses. He said, but he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? That's the first question. Did did you not agree to work for me for a penny a day? And the answer was yes. Then he asked this. He said, take that thine is and go thy way, and I will give unto thee this last even as unto thee. 
No apologies here. And he says, is it not lawful? Here's the second question. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Now, that's an interesting question. Is it not lawful for this man who's hired these laborers to do what he chooses with what he owns? Doesn't he have the sovereign right to choose what he's going to do with people that serve him? I mean, every one of them agreed to serve him. Every one of them wanted to work. Every one of them was willing to work. Every one of them went to work, and every one of them got paid. And does not the goodman of the house have the sovereign right? And I'm not a Calvinist. That sovereign word is a Bible word. I believe God's so sovereign, he gave man a free will. But does not God have the right to do good to whoever he wants to? Not based on the contract, but just based on his character, who he is. The Lord is good. So he asked that second question. He said, well, in verse 15, he said, is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye, now notice here's the third question, is thine eye evil? Because I am good? You know what these guys were upset about? Not that they got shortchanged. Not that they didn't get what they agreed to. They were upset because somebody got a blessing that they thought they should have. God says that's an evil eye. Let me read you a definition of a word. The word is envy. The word envy, according to Webster, said it's envy is pain, uneasiness, mortification, or discontent excited by the sight of another's success. Accompanied with some degree of Hatred or malignancy. Excited by the sight of another's success. The Lord said, that's an evil eye. And God calls it envy. Proverbs 14, verse 3, or verse 30 says, A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy is the rottenness of the bones. Proverbs 27, 4 says, Wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous. But who is able to stand before envy? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3 said, For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? First Corinthians fourteen or thirteen four. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Now I'm going to tell my story. A couple of months ago, we were in New York, and uh, we were invited to preach at a missions conference, and 
Uh, there were several missionaries there. I had spoken to the people that set the, the, the uh, meeting up back in January, I think it was, and uh, we, we talked about it, and they told us when we come, our wife and I would come, that they were, they were going to put us in a house uh, that is empty, partially furnished, but it's been totally remodeled, and it's empty, and uh, the, the new pastor, they had, a, they, they had a new pastor coming in, and he would be moving into that. A house when he moved in there in just a few weeks. And so my wife and I, we got there, and the meeting started on a Friday night, so we got there on a Friday afternoon, and, and they took us to this nice neighborhood, real nice neighborhood, real nice house. It was about, I don't know, 3,600 square feet altogether, been newly remodeled, beautiful house, beautiful yard. I watched deer walk across the yard in the backyard, and I just, man, this is great. We had it all to ourselves, and uh, boy, it was just a joy. We were thrilled to death to be able to be there. We got to be in the missions conference Friday night, and uh, Saturday day afternoon they had a, co- uh, a supper and then a, another meeting that night, and then they are going to have uh, services Sunday morning and another dinner and Sunday afternoon. You know how it is, feed you to death. And uh, boy, everything's just wonderful. Praise God. I've been this first time I've ever been to New York, get to go up there and be in this conference and all that stuff, and get to preach and all that, and just thrilled to death. Well, the lady that set the meeting up, she was the secretary of the church. She was the former pastor's wife. He had died. He had started the church like 30 years ago. He had died about five years ago. They owned their own home just down the street from the church. But she told us when she showed us around, she said, now, uh, this house was given to me. She had her own home. She said, this house here was given to me. A lady in our church gave me this house. And she said, but I, didn't, I don't need it. I got my own home. So she said, when the new pastor comes, and this kid just out of Bible college a couple of years, been serving as assistant pastor for a guy for a couple of years. She said, we're going to vote him in next Sunday as our pastor. And we're giving him the house. She didn't say we're letting him live in it. We are giving him the house. All of a sudden, I had two eyes and they were both evil. I'm not lying to you. I mean, all the joy of being there and the thrill of excitement of all that, it just went down the tube. My wife and I, and this is not a complaint, I'm just making a statement, we've never owned our own house. We still don't. And that's, that's fine. But I'm telling you all of a sudden, something just came over me, Brother Lighty. I'll tell you, I'm just barely saved, I'll just be honest with you. Uh, if you don't believe it, ask my grandkids, they'll tell you. But something came over me and it's just, You know, that evil spirit would come on Saul. It's just like it came on me. And I thought, I I don't get this. Here's this kid, never pastored in his life. I've been serving God for 50 years. My wife's lived in rental houses everywhere we've been. And this dude's walking into a house, a 3,600 square foot house, newly remodeled house, nice neighborhood house, beautiful landscape house. 
I'm telling you. I was eat up with it. I'm not lying. Here's the kicker. It's even worse. When I called that secretary back in January to set up some meetings in New York, she told me then they were praying for a pastor. She said, we're praying for a pastor. I said, said, if you know of anybody, let us know and pray with us. I said, fine, I'll do that. About two days later, she calls me back. She said, we've been looking over, you know, your history and your past. She said, would you please consider coming and being our pastor? And I said, well, no, ma'am. I said, I know what God's called me to do, and I'm, I know I'm in the will of God to do it. So six months earlier, eight months earlier, I had the opportunity <laughs> to get a free house, and I blew it. And it's just eating me up. I'm just telling you the truth. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, before the night was over, God convicted my heart. I said, what is the matter with you? I am angry over God blessing somebody else. How low down and sorry is that? That's what's the matter with you. I have no doubt the Holy Spirit of God was grieved to death over it. And I need him. I need his power. He was grieved. I was grieved. I had to get to the place that night. I had to say, God, forgive me. I've sinned. I was upset with you over blessing somebody else. That's an evil eye. That's called envy. God has never shortchanged me in my life. God has blessed me beyond measure, beyond my imagination, certainly beyond what I deserve. I have no complaints, except when I get in that kind of shape. But I asked God to forgive me that night, cleanse me. Joy came back. Gratefulness came back. And when I met that young pastor, I was thrilled to death for him. I'll tell you, that's a tool that the devil will use. Get you out of the labor force. So I never did anything like that. I got my own house. Well, how about, you know, my preacher buddy down the road, he's having a meeting and he scheduled these guys to preach. He didn't even put me on the schedule. Or, you know, I come in as a missionary and that guy, that missionary, he got a bigger table than I got. He got 15 minutes to present. I got three. Yeah, or she got to sing the special, and I only got to sing in the choir. (laughs) Well, you know what? I've been here for 15 years. And I mean, we're doing everything we can, and we're still running under 100. And that dude come in here two years ago and running 300. You know, when I'm running 300, God bless you, brother. You're in the will of God. When he's running more than I am, he's compromising somewhere. God help us to be able to rejoice when God blesses somebody else. Romans chapter 12 verse 15. Rejoice with them 
that do rejoice. You know, our fellowship would be much sweeter when we can rejoice when our brother gets blessed. When they have people saved, even if we don't. When their church grows, when we, when, a, when a family, oh, this is the biggie here. When a family visits the area and there's two or three independent Baptist churches in that same area, I come from the Bible Belt. I mean, there's not two or three churches in the same area. There's 15 or 20 Baptist churches in the same area. But they come and visit your place, and I mean, they're nice, clean people. They, I mean, you can tell they love the Lord. They know their Bible. Their kids are mannerly. You can tell they believe in tithing and giving, and they come and visit your church for two or three weeks, and then they go down the road and visit that other brother down there for two or three weeks, and then they visit that other brother for two or three weeks, and they come back visit you another two or three weeks, and then they go down there and join his church. And we ought to be able to rejoice. But a lot of times we don't. We murmur, complain. The truth of the matter is our argument's not really with that man down there or that family. The problem is our attitude toward our God. He has a right to put people where he wants to put them. He may he knows whether that guy needs that family more than we need him. It was a glad day in my life when I was pastoring and I realized I could not and was not expected to be everybody's pastor. Whoa, what a glad day that was. Amen. But God help us to be on guard in our own hearts. And God help us to learn to rejoice when God blesses other people. Amen. God help us. And we're all faced with it. We're all faced with it. Uh, I've got a daughter-in-law that they've not been able to have children yet. And God gave them a little foster child and a brand new baby. They had him for six months. And the foster system moved him out of that home into a distant relative's home. And it's literally broke all of our hearts. But I've watched that girl. She's had two sister-in-laws now get pregnant. And I've watched that girl struggle to be able to rejoice with those sister-in-laws. And it's been a struggle for her. But with the help of God and the grace of God she's doing, she understands she doesn't need to be envying those girls. She needs to be happy for them. Amen? God help us. We are carnal people many times. But God deliver us. You know, mine eye affecteth my heart. For the loss, for the mission field, for our love for God, but oh, if our eye becomes evil with envy, it'll ruin our hearts. Mm-hmm.